Uh, we're finally going to jump straight into some verses in Acts. Uh, we've spent a lot of time just laying out the background of Acts and uh, what it actually, uh, what the book of Acts actually represented. And, and I'm going to give you a few of those points this morning. Uh, you see in your outline, I got a couple things in there from last week uh, that we can look back at. Um, before we get started, uh, I want to pray, and uh, man, we'll, we'll pray for the service, and then we, we evidently, uh, this sickness, I, one of my friends actually shut his church down this week uh, because of sickness, and uh, so let's, let's pray, I mean, uh, Claire, she's at home sick, she's been uh, sick the last couple of weeks, three weeks on, on and off, and, and then uh, I know Brother Sean is at home uh, sick. And so, uh, I, I don't know, this whole thing's running pretty rampant these days. Uh, and, then, uh, and then, while we're praying, uh, while we're praying, I'm sick too, um, not, not really. Uh, so, there's something that happened this week that was really interesting. I put these glasses up about two years ago, uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe a year, who knows. But I put them in my bag, and I decided I wasn't going to wear them no more because I'm a man. And, um, and I do stupid things like that because uh, I said, I don't need glasses. That's a, that's a figment of my imagination. Now, you, you may not believe that I said that, but I really did. And um, so I don't need glasses. I'm fine. Until like the last, uh, I don't know, about three months, I haven't really been able to see like what I'm doing. So like I'm having to turn all my stuff up like 18 font, and it's just been terrible. Anyway, I pull the glasses back out, and it is a brand new life with these things on. Like, I've been doing my, my uh, classes in the Bible Institute, and I haven't, it's, I've been a real struggle to see. I turn all the lights on in the house, and everybody hates it. I read a book at night, and everybody's like, you got to have all the lights on. Yeah, I can't see anything. Well, these babies right here done the work. And uh, so I'm going to start wearing these things again, at least uh, as, as much as i got to read and preach and all that. So anyway, so uh, anyway, to any man out there that, that, uh, that does stupid things like me that says, I don't need certain stuff, you're probably lying to yourself. Uh, it's just part of life. You get old and can't see no more. Or some of you are young and can't see, but I'm old and can't see, so or getting older. So uh, let's pray, and we'll jump right into it. Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you again for today. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for what you've done. And, uh, Lord, we're going to represent uh, the gospel this morning, the death, burial, and resurrection through believer's baptism. And, Lord, uh, thank you for what you've done in Cheyenne's heart. And I'm glad that, uh, Lord, there is, uh, there's no objection in this church to every man walking their own journey with the Lord. Um, I'm grateful that, that we have scripture to guide what that journey should look like and, and we have biblical principles to understand what that, what that should equate to. Uh, but Lord, at the end of the day, I can walk in no man's shoes. And so Lord, I'm thankful uh, that we do have a place that, that, is a, that is a very gracious place and uh, for people to uh, to work through whatever situations they have to work through and, um, and with no judgment. Uh, Lord, just sheer thankfulness that God is getting victory 
in their life. And so I'm grateful for what you've done in Shine's heart. Thank you, Lord, for saving her. And uh, God, I can't wait to baptize her here in a little bit. Lord, I pray that you bless this time together and uh, in your word as we work. And uh, God, we become workmen of the word uh, like you've called us to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you, you bless this morning and use it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so the title of the message this morning is Given a Work. And, and so we, we, we've been, uh, when I say given a work, literally, I mean in Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, we have been given a work. We have been handed over a work. We have been handed over a mission. And uh, when we see that, we're, we're going to see, we started a new line of, of messages, if you would, uh, last week, and we were working through the book of Acts, and we, we, called, the, we called this message, this, ser- this series of messages, uh, Let's Get Our Act Together. And, uh, let's Get Our Acts Together. And we're, we're actually trying to get the book of Acts together so we can all get on the same playing field. And so we did an introduction last week, and we looked at some specific things. We took time to describe the position of the book and the specific location within the canon of Scripture between the Gospels and the Pauline epistles and how important that is. And, and when you go and look at the, you look at the, for instance, you go and look at the title uh, in your Bible, you go and look at the title of the book of Acts. What you're going to see is it doesn't say the book of Acts. It says the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles. It actually is a historical record of the Acts of the Apostles. It's, it's not a doctrinal book. It's not a doctrinal book for the church, at least. Uh, but it does tell us what the apostles did. And, and, and that doesn't mean, I want you to listen to this, that doesn't mean necessarily what we are to do. Okay, That doesn't mean necessarily what we are to do. Specifically, we could take, a, we could take and point at Acts 2.38. God didn't call us to be Acts 2.38 people. Okay? Um, additionally, the, 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 book, uh, the position of the book is really a transition from an Old Testament economy to a New Testament. It's a transition from the Jew to the Gentile. It's a transition from Jerusalem uh, to the ends of the earth. It's a transition from really a Jewish New Testament church into a Gentile church, which we would know to be identified as the bride of Christ. And as we move through the book of Acts, I'm going to show you a little bit more about how this Acts, how this transition unfolds because we're going to be really careful how we interpret the things in the book of Acts because if you're not, if you apply it all to the church, if you apply everything in the book of Acts to the church, you're going to get in trouble real quick. Now, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of pastors that won't say that. Why? Because you draw lines in the sand that you're not willing to move off of. Okay. When I say that, I'm drawing a line in the sand and, and then I say, uh, I, what I'm saying is, uh, essentially, somebody else is wrong. In the day and age which we live in, we're all trying to hold hands in church and sing kumbaya. You know, and, and listen, the, the facts are somebody's got to be wrong. And it's up to us to rightly divide the Word of God to see who that could be. Okay, uh, So we talked about some, uh, some people in the book. We talked about Luke. Talked about Luke. Luke was a man uh, that was very key in de- detailing the life of Jesus in the book of Luke, in his gospel, uh, and then the life of, of Peter and the life of Paul as they worked through the book. Um, and then we looked at some other uh, looked at some other, when we looked at Paul and we looked at Peter, we understood that Peter had more of a, a focus 
uh, in a, in, of, of towards the Jews uh, in the earliest part of the book. And, and then uh, you can actually see that shift, if you will see it, you can see that shift that Paul becomes the leading figure when, you, when the focus starts shifting in the second half of the book. You can see that Paul is now the guy that, that it's shifting with. Okay? Um, but but what, what really, we, we kind of, from a practical standpoint, and, and for the sake of practicality, we don't ever want to leave, we don't ever want to leave the text, but we want to make sure practically that we understand what drove these men to give their lives for the cause of Christ. What drove this group of people to give their lives for the cause of Christ, and, and, and get this, in doing so, the world was actually never the same. The Bible says that the world was actually turned upside down because these men gave their lives for the cause of Christ. And that's really what I want to understand, what I want to dive into in this series. What did the first century Christian display that we don't have? Like that we're missing. So uh, when, when I talk about that, when I talk about let's get our acts together, I want us to look at the great work that we've been given. Look at the work we've been given. Look at, look at how important, look at how serious of a work it is that we've been given. Okay, Whatever they had in them, man, I wanted me. Whatever they had in them, I want in this church. And so it's a big deal. We, we started to understand the call, and not only the call, but the importance of the call. And so when we enter the book of Acts, it's almost as Jesus is, is handing off in a relay race, he's handing off something in this relay race to the next person so that they can run, so that they can get a hold of what Jesus is handing and run with that thing. And, and it's important to know that they didn't drop it. Now we know, we know that every single we, we know that this dispensation, Paul said, it's been given to me, uh, the, the, uh, the dispensation of grace, it's been given to me, right? Everybody understand that? Okay. Okay, so in that time, that dispensing of grace that we're in right now, we all know that in the last days, what's going to happen? Perilous times are going to come. Men are going to be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. So we know that in these days, in these perilous times, in these, what, what the Bible uh, lays out, the Laodicean church age, uh, rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and actually Jesus on the outside knocking, trying to get somebody, now this is an interesting thing, trying to get somebody in that Laodicean church to hear his word. And if you do hear his word, now, now what's important here is that they're having church without Jesus. They are having a show of good works, but it's not with Jesus Christ. Okay? But there is a couple of the, there's, there's a couple, a couple of remnants within that group of people, that large group of people, and he says, if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with who? With you. Because he doesn't say if any church hear my voice. He says if any man, if any man, any woman hears my voice, I will come in and I'll, the responsibility is not on the entire church there. Well, what is it? It, it? it then maintains accountability to an individual believer to open the door to hear the word, to come in and he sup with me and me with him. Does that make sense? And so what we understand is, is in these last days, there's, there's going to be a remnant. 
And we, we need to be a part of that. We need to be a part of that remnant. We need to be a part of a group of people that doesn't get tired and doesn't quit the race. And we charge forward. Why? Because we want to turn. And here's what you, here's a good statement I heard years ago. You may not turn the world upside down, but you can turn somebody's world upside down. You may not change the world, but you can change somebody's world. And that ought to be what we're aiming to do. We ought to be aiming to change somebody's world. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 6, Paul said it like this, holding forth the word, uh, in 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So there is a running that is in vain and there's a labor that is in vain. But Paul says, but, but I may rejoice in the day of Christ that, that, that I'm not a part of that group. So that's my desire. My desire, and I hope it's yours. I hope it's your desire. I hope it's your desire that we understand the, the, the importance of the mission, that we understand how important the mission we've been given actually is, and then we don't pawn it off on somebody else. We don't pawn it off on the pastors. We don't. Why? Why? Because every member of Greater Hope Baptist Church has been called to be a minister. It's not just the pastors of the church. It's not just those in leadership. Every single, and that's why, you know, the accountability factor sometimes scares the devil out of people. You're like, man, you keep beating that drum. You just keep beating that drum. Why do you keep beating that drum? Well, it depends on how you see the mission. Is it big? Is it real? And so I think we need to understand, we need to, uh, as we're working through the book of Acts, we need to make sure that we maintain a right vision for practicality's sake. Um, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 5, you you're need your Bible, uh, your phone, your Bible, whatever, whatever that may be. We're going to read the first five verses there, and, uh, and we'll jump right into it. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. That's important. You might want to underline that because we're going to deal with that a little bit this morning. Under the day in which he was taken up after that, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom, he showed, uh, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of, the, uh, speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So here we are at the beginning of the book, and it's immediately uh, before Christ's ascension. And according to verse number 3, it's 40 days after the resurrection. It's 40 days after the resurrection. So, so his stay on the earth is about to come to an end. And then verse 9, we'll see him ascend up, okay? Uh, he's he's going uh, to ascend up. But, but before he left this earth, he, 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 did, he did something that's really interesting. If you, if you can see it, he officially, it's like he turns things over to these men that he trained. Uh, he turns his ministry over to the men that he trained. He turns his ministry over over to the disciples, and, and, 
And you can see that and when you go and study verse number 8. We'll, we'll get there, uh, the, the key verse. I told you last week, the key verse. Uh, when you get to verse number 8, we'll, when we get there, you'll see that he turned this work over to these men. So, so uh, again, Christ is giving them a work to do. You need to hear this right here. Listen to this. Christ is giving them a work to do. You ready? Because there was more work to do. Now, it's super important to get. Why is it really important to get? Because everybody wants to run to John chapter 19 and they want to say, oh, no, there's no more work to do. It's finished. But that's just not true. That's just, that's just not true because we know according to John 17, he's talking to the Father and he tells the Father, I have finished the work, you ready, which thou gavest me to do. Now, John chapter 19 had not happened yet. So the work in John 17 had to do with the men that he gave him out of the world. Does everybody understand that? You see how important that is? You see how, I mean, really... How important that whole thing is. Why? Because there is more work to do. So in effect, he has given a work to these men. He's giving this work over to these men. So number one, look, look at this with me. Number one, Jesus imparts duty on those he imparted truth. Jesus imparts duty on those he imparted truth. So he, he, he is giving them responsibility based off the truth that they'd already been given. The greatest thing you could ever do is not hear the truth. Let me tell you why. Because then you become accountable to it. You say, is that really the greatest thing I could do? No, no, it's, it's not. I'd rather, you, I'd, rather, I'd rather you hear the truth. In this age we live in, be born again and go to the judgment seat and everything you got burn up with fires I had have you go to hell. But here's what I will say. What you need to realize is that if you have been imparted truth, Jesus has given you responsibility with that truth. Why? To whom much is given, much is required. And so he makes them responsible for what he taught them and what he not just taught them, but what he showed them while he was physically on this earth with them. And he makes them accountable, you ready, for their stewarding. He makes them accountable for their stewarding. This is some crazy stuff right here, man. Verses 1 and 2, he, he, he starts out and he says, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. So we know... Uh, we know that this former treatise uh, that was written at Theophilus, we looked at that last week. If you, if you want to get caught up on that, you can go back and listen to it, uh, is Luke's gospel. So the former treatise is Luke's gospel. So in essence, you can, look at, uh, you can look at Luke and you can look at Acts. Luke's, Luke is part one, Acts is part two. Okay? Um, so we know that, that this Luke's gospel, uh, it tells us, uh, what Jesus began to, to both do and teach. And, and, and so we, we see Jesus started something. What did he start? It says he began to do some things, and then he began to teach some things. Okay? All the way to his ascension, until the day he was taken up, he began to do some things, and he began to teach some things. Okay, now... Here, here's, here's, here's something else I, I think is really interesting. John 14. 
John 14, these things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. All right, here we go again. This is the promise. This is the promise that we're going to get in Acts chapter 1. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay, so what happens after Jesus leaves is the Holy Ghost then becomes the teachers. And you ready? The apostles became the doers. So whatever the Holy Ghost is teaching the apostles, what, what is he teaching them? Well, he's teaching them John 14 things. He's teaching them some Luke 24 things. So, so verse 2, Under the day he was taken up, after that the Holy Ghost was given commandments unto the apostles, unto, uh, uh, unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So here we are, Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1 and verse 2 completely coincide. Luke, uh, John 14 and Acts chapter 1 and verse number 2 completely coincide. That Here we go, we got the teacher showing up. Now we got the teacher, which is also the comforter. If you've never been through discipleship, we go through a whole lesson on the Holy Ghost, and you can figure out who the Holy Ghost is. You can figure out what the Holy uh, Spirit is actually supposed to do in your life. So first, here we are. Jesus began to both do and teach in a human body, right? Everybody sees that. He began to both do and teach in a human body. But then Acts records... That Jesus began, that Jesus continued to do and teach some things, you ready? Through a spiritual body. So the, the vehicle is changing. Why? Because he's taken up. He's gone. He, he goes with his body, but he leaves a body. In that same body that he goes with, he wants us to do the same thing here on this earth in a spiritual body. Okay. Now you may be like, "Man, that's drinking from a fire hose right now." Just try it. if it's recorded. Go back and listen to it. I, I have to go back and listen to some stuff a hundred times to get it right. Um. So Jesus taught his disciples. He taught his disciples, and he showed his disciples uh, that that they uh, what they were to do when they were gone. And, and the primary thing was this John seventeen thing. Why? Because that's the work which thou gavest me to do. That's the work which you set me apart to do. Well, let's, let's look John 17, uh, verse number 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine were they, and thou gavest me, uh, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept my word. Now they have known all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have surely known I came out of thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So this is the work. This is the work which thou gavest me to do according to Jesus. Unless Jesus was a liar. This is what Jesus said that while he was, you ready? While he was in eternity, that this was the plan. That this was the Father's plan. So, so, so he's consistently teaching about himself, but about what they were to do and believe after he was gone. So, so, so he didn't just teach them the word of God. He showed them how to do it. He showed them how to do it. Well, John, look at John 13 and verse number 5. For I have given you an example that you should, that you should do as I have done. 
And Peter remembered. What about his? What 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 about his? Uh, Peter remembered the uh, the example of Jesus Christ in in his epistle. For un, even unto you, uh, for even here unto, were you called because Christ also suffer suffer for us, leaving us an example that you should what follow in his steps. Uh, follow his steps. And and again again, at the very essence, we know. That this is discipleship. Okay. Uh, Second Timothy, we, we use this thing a lot, and, it, and it's true and it's right, and praise the Lord for it, but we, we sometimes leave some other verses out that we could tack on to it. Um, uh, verse 2, he says, In the, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the saying, Commit thou to commit thou uh, to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Uh, so you got the generation, uh, you, got, you got really and truly, um, you've got the disciples that, that helped Paul after his conversion. Uh, but then you, you've got Paul, and Paul's got a lot of special revelation from the Lord as being the apostle to the Gentiles. He's got special revelation. Paul, the unveiling of Christ in us, the hope of glory, didn't come until the apostle Paul came. Okay. So there's some special revelation going on there. The mystery of the church uh, it came through the special revelation of the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And, and so, so he's teaching that uh, to Timothy. He's teaching that to Titus as pastors. Uh, he's, he's teaching that to Luke. Okay, what, what, What's really interesting is he says, Paul says the same things that you heard of me, Timothy, Titus, Hey, I want you to teach them to faithful men. So teach them to the next generation. You ready? Uh, teach them to the next generation who shall be able to teach others also. That, that that generation can teach the next generation. There is so many generations of actual discipleship taking place right here. And, and, and I appreciate what, what's happening there. But, but what we got to make sure of is that we don't leave out anything in terms of of what we mean when we say discipleship. Because there has been some people that have convoluted the idea of discipleship down, down to teaching. And it's just not so. It's just not so. You can't leave out the doing aspect. Paul didn't leave it out. We can't leave it out. You, uh, there's been plenty of people that want to change the philosophy of discipleship to make it because it's easier. They want to make it teaching. But you can't do that. It doesn't work like that. Look at verse number 3. 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2 and verse 3. Starts out with this little, this little phrase. Thou then, therefore endure hardness. Why, why am I going to need to endure hardness? Well, because it proves that you're a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And, and, and then verse 4 says that no man, uh, no man that warreth as a good soldier of Jesus Christ entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if any man strive, uh, strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. So, so here's the doing. Uh, you got teaching in verse number 2, verses 3 and 4, 3, 4 and 5. You got doing. But we oftentimes like to, we like to leave off that. We like to leave off that three, four, and five. Why? 
because if if you are gonna be a tr- if you are gonna be true to discipleship, you are gonna have to endure hardness. Why? Because ain't nothing easy about it. What, what, what do you mean? Well, it, we're we're prone to entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life so much that we don't have time. And everybody said, "Amen." It's hard, especially you got a, when you got a litter of kids running around. It's hard. It's, it's really hard. Why? Well, because we have to count the cost. We have to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Why? Because if we're not careful, the affairs of this life will cause us not to be able to please him who had chosen us to be a soldier. Okay? I, I, got, I, got, I got to carry on. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. You ready for this? Manner of life. Manner of life. Carries right on over into chapter number 3. And he says, I was fully known my manner of life. My purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. Okay? He goes on to talk about his persecution and uh, his affliction. So, so, so it wasn't Paul only taught. He did that for sure. But he made sure... That they fully knew his manner of life. They, they, he, they fully knew his purpose. That they fully knew how he lived out faith and how he was long-suffering and how he showed charity and how he had patience. You say, man, I don't know that I'd be willing to do that with somebody because I'm not actually doing that in my own life. Man, this is a great, this is a great moment for you. This is a great moment to repent. This is a great moment to decide... Uh, that, that I want to change the course of my life. And you can change the course of your life. I, there's great peace that comes out of this. There's great peace in living the life that comes out of this, knowing that you are doing something bigger than yourself. Okay, So, so it's necessary, and it's a biblical component, component of discipleship. And if all of you're doing is teaching a set of lessons, we're not doing it right. We've had people come in here and, and, and thank God their, their voice is not having to be heard anymore. I mean that with a very sincere heart. When they said, oh, no, you're doing it wrong. You're not finishing fast enough and you ain't got enough people completed. Well, here's the thing. If we're just doing lessons, then we are doing it wrong. Sure. If that's all we're doing, then we are doing it wrong. But if we're walking through life with somebody and we're trying to establish a foundation for the next person to walk through life with somebody else, then, then we're doing all right. Just keep plugging along. Just keep plowing. Get the plow deeper, lower, move on about your business. Don't worry about the naysayers. They're always going to have something to say. They read too many Tom Rainer books anyway. They've been to too many church growth seminars. I don't give a flying rip about a church growth seminar. Why? We got all the church growth that we need right here in these, in these books. We don't, we, don't, we, don't need, we don't need the next big church growth group pathway to come in and tell us what we're doing wrong. Well, my church is bigger than yours. A church down the road is bigger than yours. I don't care how big the church gets. I want to know how healthy it is. It doesn't matter to me if half the members are there on Sunday morning got drunk on Saturday night, and nobody cares. If half the members cuss like a sailor in that church, we're missing the boat. Right? Amen? Okay. Um, so, t- 
time back in, all right? Uh, a disciple is a learner and a, learner and a follower. So, so what we've got to do is we've got to make sure uh, that we're showing, that we're, we're showing, okay? Um, Moses got some really good advice, Exodus 18. Exodus 18 and verse number 20. Moses got some really, really good advice from his father-in-law. He said, uh, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws. So uh, he's teaching them these ordinances and laws. And, and, and then he said, uh, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work they must do. That's some really good advice. Moses, you can teach them all the laws you want to teach them. You can teach them all the ordinances you want to teach them, but you, you need to show them, show them wherein they must walk, right? That's discipleship. That's what God's called us to do, to invest in people. There, uh, there's, a, there's a couple, Aquila and Priscilla. Um, there's a relationship that is initiated between Paul and, uh, and, and, the, and, these, and this couple. And what we what we know what we know about this couple is when Paul finds this couple, he moves in with them and he shares life with them and he disciples them, and we know that they decide, we know that he disciples them because they go to Syria to minister with the Apostle Paul. Paul ain't bringing those scragglers along with him. Amen. Paul is not bringing anybody. That's not a excuse me. That's not equipped for the work. It's not happening. And and in Romans sixteen, uh, this is where Paul calls them the helpers in Christ Jesus. Okay, why? Because Paul was willing to carry them along with him. All right. Uh, so so this is this is a pretty big one. I think you got some blanks here. Uh, you can never truly impact anyone if you only allow your life to be viewed from a distance. You can never truly impact anyone if you, can only, if you only allow your life to be viewed uh, from a distance. Okay? So it's not just teaching. Uh, it's behind the scenes. It's not, just, um, it's not just showing somebody what the Bible says, but it's taking somebody on the journey with you. And you say, man, that sounds super uncomfortable. Well, to start with, it is really uncomfortable. But you have to count the cost. You have to count the cost in this whole thing. Okay. Uh, when, when, it, when, it, when, when it comes to New Testament Christianity, this is the responsibility that we've been given. This is the work that we've been given. This is the, this is the duty that we have been given to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ, okay? Um, let's look at, at number two. Let's look at number two. Jesus imparts ability without reserve. Jesus imparts ability without reserve. Okay, uh, let's, let's uh, look at verse number three. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion... By many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall, but ye shall be baptized 
with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So the apostles, they, they got resources. They were resourced with something. They were given ability that was actually threefold. There's a threefold ability uh, that, that you need to see. Uh, n- number one, number one, infallible proof. They got in infallible proof. And the proof was that Jesus absolutely was who he claimed to be. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he showed himself alive after his passion. Now I want you to, that word passion is interesting uh, because a lot of times people uh, would, would, would label that word as desire or, or lust. It's definitely not, not used in that specific context here. Uh, but we do use it that way uh, in most of our day-to-day kind of interactions where we live right now. Uh, the word here is used 40 times. In the Greek, it's used 40 times in Scripture, uh, 42 times in Scripture. The only time translated, this is the only time that it's translated passion. All other occasions, 39 times it's translated suffer. One time it's translated vexed, and one time... It's translated feel. So, so I, I thought maybe uh, if we could pull our own definition based on how it's translated elsewhere in your Bible, the pa- his passion was about his suffering. His passion was about his suffering, not only his suffering, but to be vexed for us. The pa- his passion was indeed the death on the cross. That was his passion. His suffering to be vexed for you and me. That was the passion that he went to the cross with. Think about that. It should have been us. That should have been our death. But his passion was to go to that cross and and be vexed and to experience the sin that he had never experienced. To experience all the sin that was ever done in this room. Jesus Christ experienced it. Every single one of them. All of our illicit acts that we would never tell nobody about that were so ashamed. Every single one of them Jesus Christ felt. Every single one of them Jesus Christ suffered for. Every single one of them Jesus Christ was vexed for us. And that's huge. So he showed himself alive. After his death, you ready? By many infallible proofs. Now look at those words, man. Uh, they, they, there, there, were, there were many proofs. Not just one. There were many proofs. Not just a couple. Not just a few. But there were many proofs over many days. Now, there is another interesting thing that happens here. Uh, the Bible says he was seen of them. That he was seen of them uh, 40 days. 40 days, okay? It's no, it's no coincidence that it was 40 days. Why? 40 is really significant in your Bible. Why is it significant? Well, I'm going to give you a couple places and then maybe we can make a conclusion. Uh, it rained on Noah for how many days? 40. Moses was in, uh, was in the Mount uh, Sinai for how many days? Israel was in the wilderness for how many years? Christ was tempted after how many days in the wilderness? 
there's probably a good chance this thing's got something to do with trials and temptations. Probably a good chance this thing's got something to do with testing. The truth of Christ's resurrection, you ready for this? It was tested over 40 days. Any of the naysayers that may not have, but anybody that needed to check it out? Anybody ever sold anything on Facebook? Am I the only billionaire ever tried to sell something on Facebook? Listen, there is an interesting phenomenon that happens when you try to sell stuff on Facebook. It ain't like you're selling it in the rest of the world. Because they have access just to say whatever they want to without having to say it to your face. It's awful. Now, you got access to a lot of people, but it's awful. And, and I say that to say this. He's allowed, and we, what we call people, we're trying to sell something on Facebook, we call the people that, are, that act like they're interested that really aren't, we call them tire kickers. And they're just out kicking the tire. Here's for real. 40 days to kick the tires on Jesus' resurrection. You got 40 days, guys. You got 40 days to test him. You got 40 days to prove him true. You got 40 days to see if what really was said about him resurrecting was true. Now, what is interesting is we all know he passed the test. He passed the test with many infallible proofs. He passed the test. He passed the test. In 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul said, First, I deliver, uh, I, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I had received. That which I had received. And then he goes down after, uh, all right, he goes down, uh, verse 6, no, verse 5, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen above 500 brethren of once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of the apostles. And last of all, you ready? He was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Man, glory to God. Paul's writing this book, and you've got to remember, there's 500 brethren that had 40 days to kick the tires on Jesus' resurrection. And Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15, he's saying, man, most of them 500 are still alive to this day that seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. He passed the test. So... This thing could be wrong. Uh, there could be more. You could probably find, maybe you could find more. I don't know. Um, there's 12 recorded appearances of Jesus Christ after his resurrection. Now, 10 of those um, occurred prior to his ascension, but I gave them to you there just for the sake if you want to see them. If you want to study on them, if you want to look at them, uh, there, there's 12 there that you, can, that you can actually get your hands on. Okay, uh, so, so what, we gotta, what we really come to the, the major conclusion of here is that everybody that saw Jesus Christ, it changed them. Every single, every single person. It was proof. It was proof. It was proof that Jesus was alive. It was proof that Jesus 
was God and that he had come to reconcile the world back to him. There were many proofs. There were many proofs. But not only just many proofs, there were many infallible proofs. And, And how many of you understand? Infallible means without error. Infallible means certain. Infallible means that it's undeniable. And it's worth noting, it's worth noting, that not all modern translations use this word infallible. As a matter of fact, the ESV takes it and it just says many proofs. The NIV says uh, many convincing proofs. And, and that, I think that's even better than the, the held ESV of this day. But convincing isn't infallible. Amen? Amen? They're, they're spelled different. They're actually not synonyms at all, even anywhere near. And, 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 and let me give you a reason. The, uh, time out, okay? This is, my, this is my reason. And you don't have to like me for this reason, but this is my reason. I'm not real sure. Um, I'm not real sure why I got an idea that the reason they, the, 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 they, they have taken that word infallible out it is, is maybe... Maybe there ain't nothing that can be infallible. Maybe there is no such thing as an infallible word of Christ in these guys' mind. That's a big thing. That's a big thing around here. Why? Because we believe in an infallible book. Not infallible uh, scrolls that nobody can find on this earth, but we believe in an infallible book. Okay? Why, Why is that such a big deal? Because if you're not careful, the way... The way you view translations may actually see uh, may actually bring your mind the way you view Jesus Christ. The point here is that time back in, okay, that was a was a little commercial. The point here though is that God used His ability, His resources as proof, and God gives us the same resource. God gives us the same resource. I got to hurry. B, he trained them. He trained them. Okay? Uh, Not only was Jesus Christ appearing from place to place, but when he was proving himself, now this this is an interesting deal, when he was proving himself, he's also speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He's also speaking of the things that are pertaining to the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it is interesting to note, too, that, that he, he doesn't say, uh, and you're, you're going to see here in a minute, uh, or uh, in a couple of weeks, you're going to see it's different. Uh, again, again, we're going to talk about it, not, not, not too long, but he's not speaking about the kingdom of heaven here. Speaking about the kingdom of God. Now these guys are worried about the kingdom of heaven because they say, will thou restore the kingdom again to Israel? That's all they're worried about is the kingdom being restored to Israel. But he's teaching them, he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. Okay, How do we know that? Well, Romans 14 verse 7 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, it's not tangible. It's not, you, you can't put your hands on it. Well, what is it? It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual kingdom. Okay? 
they, they were struggling with this. They were completely focused on the physical. And that's why, that's where we got to get to understand that this book is so transitional. It's so transitional in nature. And he's trying to bring them around to the spiritual understanding of it. Uh, Luke 24 and verse 44, and he said unto them, there, uh, there are words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written, by, uh, written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus, uh, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in the name of in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. So, so now we've got Jesus uh, giving them some personal training. And, and everything here is complete. And, and, and everything here is in its rightful place. But what we need to see is, is we, as we get ready to close close this thing out what we need to see is that you can't help people in their situation without some proper training you can't do it it's an absolute impossibility for you to counsel anybody without the right training okay if you study to show yourself approved, then you're, you're good. But if you study and you don't show yourself approved, then you, you can't do the work. You can't tell other people what to do unless you know what to do, unless you know what God said to do. Romans 15 and verse uh, number 14, And I myself am also persuaded of you, brethren, that ye, ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Able to admonish one another. Man, I'm really grateful for the fact that there are people that have grown and have learned and have studied to show themselves approved in this room that now all, of, all the counseling measures are not on one person, two people anymore. Why? Well, we spread them out and why? It's so we can admonish one another. Right? You can help people see Jesus in the middle of their situation, but you've got to learn that. And if you don't learn, you can't fulfill the mission. Not fully, at least. You can evangelize. Why? Because you've been given the ministry of reconciliation if you're saved. But to fully comprehend the end of the, the extent of the mission, you have to get trained. It's just, it's just, it's just what it is. Uh, let me give you this third one. Let me give you this third one. Uh, third resource. Third resource, third ability is the Holy Ghost. This is the catalyst for all of it. This is the catalyst for everything that's been done. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not part from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days after. There's power. There's power to complete the mission. There's power to fulfill the mission. And, and here's what we know, okay? Verse number 8, key verse. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. So, so the only way, the only way that they could be witnesses was the Holy Ghost of God come upon them. Now, Luke 24 and verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry you in, in, in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with what? With power. Until you be endued with power. And through that power, you ready? Through that power, guys, men and women, turn the world upside down. And what, what we've got to see is we have that same power. There is no greater power in Acts than the power you have. They didn't have super extraordinary power. They had gifts that you don't have. They had sign gifts for the Jew. They're, they're working and they're, they're, they're working through this thing and trying to preach the gospel. And they have gifts that you don't have for their age, for their time period. They don't have any other power that we don't have. So, you know what? We don't have any excuse. We should be killing it for the Lord. We should be. And that's not always the case. That's not always the case. And what, 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 Daniel, you, you can come play that piano if you want to. The fact is that the missing ingredient in most of our marriages, in most of our child rearing, in most of our churches, in most believers, is the working of the Spirit. You'll never have a good marriage without the working of the Spirit. You'll never have a good marriage. You'll never have, you'll never have children that want to love the Lord without the working of the Spirit. You'll never have a church that worships in spirit and truth without the, work of, uh, without the working of the Spirit. You'll never be a believer that walks in victory with joy and peace in the Holy Ghost without the working of the Spirit. The fact is, the power is the Spirit. The power is the Spirit. And, and, and it, it's an impossibility to be the witness God called us to be in this church without the working of the Spirit. We've got to get this part right. If we don't get nothing else right, we've got to get this part right. Wearsby said once, uh, Wearsby said that, it, that the hindrance to evangelism isn't the sinner, it's the saint. Evangelism ain't got anything to do. The problem with evangelism ain't got nothing to do with lost people. It's got to do with the ones that says they're saved. We are, we, a lot of times, we, man, we aren't good witnesses because we aren't being led by the Holy Ghost. And we, 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 don't have the, we don't have the power. Why don't we have the power? I don't know. Maybe we forfeit it. Maybe we're just so carnal that, that we like our way better. That we've got it figured out. It, we, we've, got, we've got our, we, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, I, I made a, I, I got, me and Jesus have our own deal. That's a lie. You don't have a deal outside this book. You may try to conjure a deal. You may come to the altar and you may pray and you may have prayed years ago and you may have made a deal with Jesus years ago. But Jesus doesn't honor your deals. Not outside the, not outside the confines of this book. Rightly divided in context.
He doesn't honor our deals. Evangelism will grow our church. But evangelism only grows our church with the movement of the Spirit of God. Whenever, whenever, the, whenever the Spirit of God works within a church and worked in history, now I'm, I'm not hyper-emotional about, about the, the, what we do in church, but I want you to understand, when the Spirit of God has moved in, in, in history and in the church body, the results of that movement can be felt. I mean, I don't know, probably some of you in here last week and you, you felt the temperature... Uh, was completely dead. The temperature of worship was completely different last week. Why? Well, because there was somebody, there were saints in this room that for whatever reason decided they was going to worship in spirit and truth. Some would call, some would call it evangelism, I mean revival. Some would call it revival. Some would call it a spirit of revival. Whatever it is, whatever you call it, it has to be under the working of the Spirit of God. It can't be manufactured. It can't have uh, the, the, the methods. It, it, it can't have any of that. It has to be a saint having a burden to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. close I want to make sure that we know God wants to work in our life I was talking to somebody this week and I spent 15 minutes having to having to talk to somebody this week and convince them that God loved them one verse after another one verse after another having to convince somebody that God loved them John actually said that the greatest proof of of his love for us was his death on the cross that's his greatest proof we've been given a responsibility We've been given a responsibility to the lost world. We've been given a duty as as people that know the book, as people that believe the Word of God. We've been given that. And it's, it's time that we get serious about it. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not trained enough. There's there's avenues. You'll submit yourself to them. You submit yourself to them. Well, I don't want. I don't want to do that. I ain't. I ain't got enough time as it is. Okay. All right. There's your faith. Be it unto you, according to your faith. Well, I. You know. I, I don't. I. I. You know. I. I like the way my life is. I don't really I don't really want to follow the Holy Ghost. Well, according to your faith, be it unto you. Then do that. 
But if you're tired, if you're tired, uh, uh, if, if you want to see some Acts 1 stuff in your life, if you want to see uh, what God intended your life to be with the power of the Holy Ghost, man, I'd submit myself this morning. I'd say, Lord, I'm coming. I, listen, I, Lord, whatever i got to do to get where I need to do or where I need to be, that's what I want to do. I'm tired of living the life that I'm living. Get some, get, get, get some missional focus in your mind. Man, it'll change your life. Let's do this. Let's pray. You would bow your head. Some already coming to the altar. If you, Brother Daniel's going to sing a verse, but I'm going I'm to pray for you before we do. If you'd like to come, I'd, I'd invite you to come this morning. You're here and you need to get saved. Saying, no greater place than right now to be be born again. If you're in here and and you're like, man, I I am purposeless when it comes to the mission. Man, this would be a great time to get that back to get that focus to submit yourself to say, man, I'm I'm coming and I'm I'm submitting myself wholly unto the Lord. Lord, I want, to get, I want to give myself to you. Let's do that this morning. Let's get serious. Let's ask God, God, give us what they had. God, we want to see the Holy Ghost move in our lives like we've seen Him move in theirs. Before we do, I mean, before we, Daniel sings, I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you again for loving us. Thank you again for being faithful. Lord, thank you again for giving us words. Lord, that that we don't we don't have to run to the depths of man's intelligence to figure out what we need to figure out. I'm grateful that, that the common common plowboy can decipher the words of God. Lord, I, I pray pray today that you give us a, a missional mindset. Lord, help us repent of all of our carnality, all of our inhibition to, to do what needs to be done. God, just throw caution to the wind and serve you. Lord, I pray that you bless today. I pray, God, that you bless the baptism time. And Lord, you've been good to us. and We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so, uh, you need to get changed. Or, okay, well, you come on. You come on. Do that now. Um, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing a verse, brother Daniel.